Alrighty, and welcome once again to the Benched Podcast. This is a sports podcast, and right now we are recording our first episode. Some might call it the pilot episode. Whatever you want to call it, however you want to view it, it is still the beginning of our journey. We're very excited to start this. Extremely excited. Um, quick introduction. I'm AJ. I'm Daniel. And we are probably going to be two of the more regular voices that you hear on the show, but we do have uh, several of our friends who are also interested um, in coming on and sharing their their takes and their ideas and their perspectives on the world of sports. So it's going to be a lot of fun. It's an idea, actually, that Daniel here has had for a while now, since you'd say middle school, maybe? Yeah. So we're excited to get started on it. And with our first episode, we we didn't want to focus too much on um, some of the smaller headlines. We kind of wanted to encompass some of the big things that have happened in the world of sports over these first two months of 2020 and give ourselves a good starting point. And we're going to be covering some big topics today. Um, in the world of NBA, obviously with the passing of Kobe Bryant, we know that this has been touched on and talked about in pretty much every way, shape, or form at this point. But it's just such a big deal, not just to the NBA and the world of basketball, but to the world of sports and, and even beyond. So with this being our first episode, we haven't had a chance to necessarily talk about it and we wanted to mention that we'll be mentioning the all-star game some of the current standings in the nba talking about the nfl we wanted to cover the super bowl and obviously with the super bowl being the end of their season we've got free agency coming up the draft as well some big headlines coming around Um, and then we wanted to talk about something that's come up in the mlb recently is they're just getting their spring training underway still early to talk about them but there's been a big big Big, and when I say big, I mean big. Just, I get, people are upset, people are angry. The Astros cheating scandal. So we wanted to cover that as well. And then we've got a couple of little tiny headlines we wanted to mention into the end. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, I don't know, it's going to be interesting. I'm ready. So we're going to go ahead and start out with our first topic on deck, and that is Kobe Bryant. It was January 26th of this year, a Sunday morning when the news broke. A helicopter had crashed in Calabasas, California. Um, Many people, you know, the details were shady, unclear, but it came to be known that Kobe Bryant, his daughter Gigi, and seven other victims, um, you know, perished in this crash. And they recently held a memorial for him on um, Monday, February 24th at the Staples Center. They postponed the Lakers-Clippers game, which was later that week. Um, that it happened. So there's there's been, you know, so much talking about it, and I just wanted to to speak on the impact that he had to the world of basketball, but not just basketball. We talk about his impact, how it reached to the world of sports, and even to the world beyond that. What are your thoughts on that? Um, <clears throat> Kobe Bryant was somebody that I looked up to growing up heavily. Um, he's one of the main reasons that I got into the game of basketball that I enjoyed it so much I mean he was a keystone player in how the game has developed today in all of its facets I mean he's just a huge part of the game and he'll be missed very very much I, I can agree with that you know when I when I talk about current players who are actively playing in the league I guess I could say my favorite player is Giannis Antetokounmpo. I, I love what he's able to do, and I'm I'm still waiting on him to develop that three ball. I feel like if he does that, I don't know how you're going to stop him. I mean, he's already nigh unstoppable as he drives into the paint, but in terms of past players, or even just looking at the NBA as a whole, 
my favorite player of all time is Kobe Bryant. Um, he just embodied this <clears throat> personality, this mentality. I mean, we know that it, it's just a trademark at this point, the mama mentality. So just to not give up, to, to believe in who you are. And he, he really portrayed that whenever he was on the court. And he didn't have, you know, an impact just in basketball. I mean, he was well known because of what he did there, but he was trying to do so many great things within the world of sports. Obviously, with his daughter Gigi, he was trying to to push for a greater acceptance and greater um, interest in the WNBA and women's, you know, basketball. Not just women's basketball, but women's sports as well. And I, I feel like, you know, whenever that Sunday happened. You know, the headlines are going around. People are shocked. You, do, you just didn't really feel like it was true. You got a true understanding of how far his reach was felt when you saw athletes from, I mean, you Neymar playing in soccer, he scored a goal, held up the 2-4. You know, you see basketball players in, in, in pretty much every NBA game that day taking eight-second violations, 24-second violations. There were football players and and players from hockey and baseball. They were all taken to social media to at, at first deny like, oh, there's no way that this is this is real, and then showing their appreciation. And it just, I mean, even to the city of L.A., what he meant to them. Yes, he was a basketball player, but he helped to define just a generation of of, of pushing yourself and being better than who you are. And it's just he had such a great impact, in my opinion. Um, he had a tremendous impact, like you said. Seeing um, his reach that he had over all sports, and seeing everybody come together over his death was, you know, something you just don't see every day. Especially with you know an athlete, you wouldn't think an athlete just had that much impact. But he was just—I mean, he was that kind of person. Yeah, that's right. People remember him as a player, but he—he he, he just had that. I mean, it, he had that in everyday life. That—that that was his thing. Um, and we've there. There's been in the past. You, you've heard people take issue with athletes speaking out on on issues that aren't concerned to sports. Uh, the, when we're talking about basketball, one of the most famous was LeBron James being told to just shut up and dribble. You know, do you think that athletes? I mean, it's it's very clear that they have such a huge platform. They they play in front of thousands of fans at home, millions of fans on live television. They're followed by millions of people on social media. Do you think that they have the right and the ability to exercise their voice on these platforms? Oh, <clears throat> absolutely, absolutely. Um, like you said, they have all those followers. You know, they're on national TV. I mean, they get. I mean, they're looked up to by you know younger kids who strive you know to be in the NBA. So they definitely have you know the platform to speak. That's. I mean, for sure, for sure. Oh yeah. I think so, and, and and when I see how how they've, I mean there there's been past issues. We, we talk about Colin Kaepernick taking the knee with his protest, and and you know there's been players that have done it before, and they've met with backlash, and they continue to do it. And I think anybody that has that potential platform to speak to something that they believe in, I think they should do it. And when you look at Kobe, I mean, he just. He reached so many people. He touched so many people's lives, and it wasn't you know, a lot of people have said that you know he had his dark events in his past and people were even bringing it up um, whenever the news broke and, and it was kind of disheartening to see that but I just felt like he just he showed that no matter what you do in life even if you have a bad start you can overcome that through hard work and you just you don't stop because life's not going to stop 
and life can come at you fast. And um, we just we just wanted to bring him up, talk about him for a little bit, and pay respect to him and and all the families that were involved. Um, there was John Altabelli and his wife Carrie uh, and his daughter Alyssa. Daughter was a, a teammate of his of Kobe's daughter Gigi, um, and John was actually an Orange Coast College baseball coach. Um, there was an assistant girls basketball coach from Orange County, Christina Mouser, and then um, Sarah and her daughter Peyton Chester, uh, who was another teammate of Gigi's and the pilot. They they all their lives were lost in the tragic accident. So we just wanted to to talk about the the impact that was had from that, and and just you really go out and and. Again, like I said, it's been covered so many times, so many different ways, but it, it's just such a big thing. And if I had to pick one favorite quote that I've heard recently, it came from the memorial service when Shaq was on the podium. And he said one time he was talking with Kobe, and Kobe's legendary for not passing the ball in a game. Um, and so Shaq was talking to him about how they were a team. They need to work as a team. And he told Kobe, he said, you know, there's no I in team. And Kobe said, well, yeah. That might be true, but there is an M and an E in that motherfucker. So, and that was him. That's Kobe. Um, another recent uh, thing that's happened in the in the world of basketball was the All Star Weekend. Obviously, we've come a couple of weekends from that, but there was a big, big turnout and support for that. Not only just because it was the first All Star Weekend without Kobe and and how his impact was. We saw a lot of Kobe jerseys and things there, but they changed up some of the formats for the All Star Game and. A couple of headlines came out of that. The three-point contest, Buddy Heald from the Sacramento Kings ended up winning that one. Um, Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest, losing to Derek Jones Jr. And Aaron Gordon actually scored six straight perfect score 50 dunks and then lost at the end. Do you think that he was robbed? Oh, 100% he was robbed. Uh, This happened two years in a row now where he has definitely been the winner and has just been blatantly robbed. We, I think the last was when he placed um, second against uh, Zach Levine, and that was a dunk contest. I mean, I watched that one live, and just the creativity that they showed. I mean, I'm Aaron Gordon sat in the middle of the air. I'd have never, I can't do that personally. Yeah, but he, I, he I wouldn't be. He sat down in midair, put the ball under his legs, and dunked. I mean, I, I don't know how you couldn't win. And then the the dunk that actually got him, I think it was a forty seven versus um, Derek Jones Jr.'s forty eight. He dunked over Taco Fall, who, as we know, is the tallest player in the NBA. But I think he was the tallest person in Chicago that night. They couldn't have gone out anywhere in that city and found somebody taller than Taco Fall, and he dunked over him, and they still didn't. I guess they were trying to say that as he came over, maybe he he touched the guy that he was dunking on. But it, the dude is what seven five, seven six. Like you're from a standing vertical, you're gonna touch him a little bit when you when you go up over him. And I just I think maybe he should have won. Um, it brought into sharp relief. Some people have said they need to redefine how they scored dunks and how not all of those dunks were perfect fifties or you know I, I don't know. But if we are to take the current scoring system, he had six straight dunks that were perfect 50s. And then all of a sudden he gets a 47 after dunking over the tallest player. I think he was robbed. Um, then the next night, All-Star Game happens. Team LeBron beats Team Giannis 157-155 to 155 with the new format. There was money being donated to charities of the team captain's choice. And it was the most competitive All-Star Game we have seen in a while, if not ever. And I think that that change was a benefit for them. 
Oh, 100%. As you said, it was very competitive for the first time in a while. And I really, I, me personally, I really enjoyed the format for the fourth quarter. You know, the first person to score 24 points going into the fourth quarter wins, you know, in honor of Kobe. I really enjoyed that. We, I guess the, I don't know if it's just well known or if it's become something that you just associate with the All Star game. But they say no defense is really ever played, and um, normally the All Star game is where people get to show out and do those dunks that they would probably get put on the bench for if they tried to attempt it in an actual game. But there was some defense played. I mean, they were playing very, very competitively. Um, I don't know, I, and I don't know if they're going to keep this playoff or not this playoff, but uh, this All Star game format going forward. I think if they do. It'll keep things interesting, but uh, Kawhi Leonard, he won the Kobe Bryant All-Star Game MVP Award, which I think is a great way to honor Kobe to, to make sure that he's always relevant to basketball. And the last thing that we want to kind of mention with the NBA was this, we wanted to talk about the current standings that are going on in the NBA, and I, I wanted to ask you your opinions because every year as the the league's going on and there's 82 games in the season you're watching teams win teams lose it's pretty clear sometimes and other times not so much who the contenders are and who the pretenders are so i'm going to read right now if we were to jump into the playoffs today these would be the teams that that would be in for the eastern conference obviously milwaukee they've already clinched their playoff spot they're in regardless they're the fastest team in the nba to ever do or to ever clinch a playoff spot. Uh, other teams in the East, Toronto, Boston, Miami, Indiana, the Sixers, the Nets, and then the Magic rounding it out. Out of that group, who do you think are the legitimate <clears throat> contenders, and then who do you think are the pretenders who maybe aren't going to be going in for that Eastern Conference Finals look? Um, for sure, the Milwaukee Bucks. They've looked good all around, even without Giannis of, I guess, the Pelicans a couple months ago. They blew him out by 40. I mean... It's a good all-around team. Um, the Sixers, uh, if they're not playing, you know, good all-around, they're not going to make it. They have they their bench scoring's been off this year. If they're not playing, you know, just good team basketball the whole four quarters, they're not going to win. I don't see them making it all the way. Toronto and Boston have had good seasons. Um, I don't think I just don't think Toronto has the talent they need. You know. That, that one guy to take that last second shot in Game 7, I just don't think they have it. I just don't think they're going to make it. Um, but other than that, definitely just Milwaukee and Boston, I feel like are probably my two top contenders in the East. Milwaukee and Boston. If I had to put a spin on it, I'm looking at it. I, I'm going to agree with you. Milwaukee, definitely. They've looked, they are currently the most dominant team in the NBA right now. And it's in no small part to be honest, but they've, they've got a great squad People, and I don't think that this is true, I thought it was funny, but people have attributed their success to their pregame wrestling antics. Maybe. Maybe when Giannis throws down that elbow drop on Brooke Lopez in the hallway before the game, maybe that's what's getting him to win. I don't know. Looking at the top, for the rest of that, that top four, Miami, I think, is my sleeper team. I feel like they've got a lot of young talent, and Coach Spo is... I mean, he's done so much to try to develop. Tyler Hero, he's pretty much personified his namesake of a walking bucket. You look at Kendrick Nunn, the guy has been incredible. Um, and then you've got your tried and true veterans, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, even Goran Dragic is still looking very strong in his starting point guard role. So there's a lot to be excited for in Miami. Toronto, I think, is my biggest surprise because 
they had Kawhi Leonard last year. They came out to be you know this, this top team, cruise their way to the playoffs, and going against the Warriors, people thought, oh, I mean, Golden State in four, Golden State in five. They didn't really give Toronto credit. And then Kawhi Leonard came up and showed that he's definitely got the talent. And I'm not saying he necessarily carried the Toronto Raptors, but he was a big, big factor in that. And then, of course, with free agency last season, or excuse me, last summer, he goes, joins the Clippers. So now the Raptors don't have that. They still got Kyle Lowry. They still got Pascal Siakam. But people didn't really put them up high on their list. And here they are second in the East. So I think they're definitely a surprise. I don't think they're a sleeper because I think that they're still going to be in the conversation at the end. Um, and then you look at the rest. The Nets have been a little more of a disappointment, but it, that was kind of be to, you know, to be expected. You had Kyrie. He's been dealing with some injuries. But the big pairing was Kyrie and KD. KD's still injured. He hasn't come back yet. So we haven't seen what that team can do yet. And you have Karis Levert. He dropped 51 points, a career high. I mean, they've got a lot of talent. So maybe they stay in the playoffs and, and lose early. I don't know. But I think there's still a question mark right now. Philadelphia, great starting group. Just the bench has not quite been there yet. I think if they can figure that out, maybe they might be in there. But if I had to pick two teams out of the East that I think are going to be in the Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee, hands down. And I think I think Miami is going to be the one that sneaks their way in there, but I just don't see them beating the Bucks in the end, and I think the Bucks are going to be in the finals. I could see them. I don't think, you know, it would be a 4-0 sweep. I could definitely see it being a, you know, a um, six-game series, 4-2 Milwaukee. That would be my prediction if they met in the conference finals. I, I could see Miami even winning their games at home because, I mean, and I'm going to throw this in there. I know this isn't a part of our – list of topics and things that we were going to cover but I think that with D-Wade retiring last year I felt like they should have completely re- rebranded their colors to this new Miami Vice color scheme they already had the white Miami Vice jerseys which would have been great home jerseys they had the black Miami Vice jerseys which are great away jerseys they had the pink ones which could be I think Nike calls them statement jerseys that they're like their alternates they were great and then this year they've got the all blue jerseys and the color scheme looks great the court that they put out there looks great and a lot of people really just didn't want to go for it because they're like, well, we like our colors. This is what we won our championships with back when the Big Three was in town. I mean, I feel like that was the colors that defined D. Wade's era, and now that D. Wade is gone, they're moving to a new era. So I felt like maybe they should have rebranded. I was kind of disappointed when they didn't. And I'm still looking for a black Miami Heat D. Wade jersey, the black Miami Vice jersey. Haven't been able to find it. Everywhere I've looked, they've been sold out. I'm going to get one. So I'd throw that in there. Uh, the West... A little more of a tight playoff race. When we take a look at Milwaukee in the East, they're sitting at the top spot. The 8th seed, Orlando, they are 25 games back off that top spot. When we look at the West, the Lakers, currently, they are the team in the West. They're the team to beat. They're at the top. Their 8th seed in the West, Memphis, is only 17 and a half games back, and it's very, very close when we look at some of the teams that are not in the playoff running right now, Sacramento, Portland, the Spurs, the Pelicans, they're all within one game of each other from changing positions and getting right into that um, eighth spot where the Memphis is at. But we look at, the again, the West. We start with Lakers at the top, Clippers in second. You've got the Nuggets, Rockets, Jazz, Thunder, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies. Out of this group, who are your contenders and who are your pretenders? Um, my contenders for the West are the Lakers, the Clippers, and uh, I'm going to go with probably the Rockets. Uh, I feel like the Rockets have a great team. With you know Westbrook and Harden, um, Eric Gordon, great. I mean, just good scoring all around. But 
I feel like their one weakness is definitely going to be in the paint. The size is disadvantage they have in the paint right now after trading away Clint Capella, which was, I mean, a big shock to me that they traded, you know, their main center in their lineup. As an Atlanta fan, I'm I'm not shocked. I enjoyed that trade. We will take Clint Capella for that. <laughs> well, there's that. And then the, the Clippers, um, I just, you know, Kawhi Leonard in the playoffs, never going to doubt that. Paul George, I mean, not much you can say about that. They're they're great. And then the Lakers, they're just I mean, LeBron James. You can't count LeBron James out ever, ever. I would n- never bet against LeBron James. So I and I, I see the Lakers winning the championship this year. That's my prediction. Now, do you have a sleeper in the West as a team that can maybe come from behind, shock everybody, take the whole thing? Uh, if I had to go, probably Dallas. I, I the Mavericks. I just Luca, and if Porzingis can stay healthy, I just kind of have a. Got a hunch. Yeah. Got a feeling. Looking at that myself, I, I'm in agreement. The Lakers are at the top, and they've gotten that way because they put together a great team, great chemistry out there. And for the first time in a while, both L.A. teams are at the top two. And the battle for Los Angeles is, is still pretty much on. I mean, the Clippers are only five and a half games back, but just because – I mean, they're both in the playoffs. And just because they're one and two, they could probably meet in the Western Conference Finals, which I think would be an outstanding series. I I kind of personally am hoping for that. But looking at some of the other teams, if I had to think maybe there's a pretender or two in there, I don't know. I I love Utah to death. I love Donovan Mitchell. I love Joe Ingles. I just don't think that they're going to have what it takes to last through the playoffs. Denver, they've had a couple of slip-ups here and there. They always tend to look good in the regular season, and when the playoffs come, they fall flat. Then when we look at some maybe a sleeper or two, Dallas, I could definitely see that. And I think Portland, to me, is a team I have wanted them to have so much success in the postseason for so long. But right now their injuries are just hurting them. And I feel like if they can maybe get healthy, at least get that that group that, that started out the season healthy, because I don't think Nurkic is coming back this season – I feel like they can get themselves into the lower seeds in, in that playoff race and maybe do some damage all the way up even into the Western Conference Finals. But I just don't think that you can beat those top two duos, LeBron and AD, and LeBron is having arguably one of his greatest seasons and Father Time hasn't caught up with him, and then Kawhi and Paul George when they're both playing on the floor and healthy. So if I had to pick the Western Conference Finals, it would be the Lakers and the Clippers. Agreed. 100% agreed. Now, that being said, who do you see in the NBA Finals? If we had to just go straight to the NBA Finals right now, who are you in? Miami and Los Angeles. So you say in the NBA Miami would beat Milwaukee. Earlier, I think I said they wouldn't, but... Now you've thought about it. And I just in a seven game series, I I just I think the Heat would beat them, and I see the Heat. And you look at last season. I mean, Milwaukee was the top of the East for a while, and when they went up against Toronto, everybody said, "Well, Milwaukee's got the advantage." And then we look at Kawhi and the Raptors; they put them out. It was a game seven, but it could happen again. I think Milwaukee's going to finally get into that finals aspect, and. In terms of picking a, a winner between the Clippers and the Lakers, I don't know. I, 
it's hard for me to, to to judge between the two. If I had to pick an edge, though, I just I think the Lakers have the edge right now because with the Clippers, they've got a lot of a lot of heart on that team. I love Pat Beverly. I love Lou Will. I mean, they play crazy crazy energy on the floor. But I just think the Lakers have a tighter team chemistry right now, and they're showing that success. It could change. We still have an entire month and a couple of weeks to go before the playoffs start, so it could definitely change. But I think it's going to be the Lakers and Milwaukee and. I'm kind of torn because I love Giannis, so I would love to see him win a win a championship. But I kind of want the Lakers to win one for for Kobe this year. You know, I feel like maybe it would be right. But that that's my two picks. All right. Um. Well, we're going ahead and move on to our next group of topics. This in the world of the National Football League. So far this year, Super Bowl, great event. Kansas City wins 31-20 to over the 49ers, and they break their 50-year drought of winning the championship. And I think it was interesting because it just seemed like you could have counted out Kansas City so many times in the playoffs, and they still came back and won. Yeah, that's what Pat Mahomes does. Pat Mahomes has the golden arm. I mean, you can't count him out. He's, he's a magician. It's, it's insane, honestly, how good he is. At the his angles. age as well. Well, that, yeah, how young he is, but the angles he can throw the ball, the way he can just contort his body to make just impossible passes. I mean, he's an incredible athlete, and and it wasn't even just with his arm. I mean, he made some in, incredible plays on the ground with his legs running the ball, and he's just an all-around. I mean, he's just a stud. He's a stud. Now, do you think having somebody as fast as Tyree Kill and a couple of his other guys, do you think that helped? Oh, I mean, 100%. I mean, having Tyreek Hill, Miko Hardman, and Sammy Watkins, and, I mean, Travis Kelsey as your four targets. I mean, yeah, he definitely has the weapons to throw the ball to. I mean, and yes, I mean, just, yes, 100%. That definitely is helpful. <laughs> now, breaking down the performance that Pat Mahomes put on, I mean, there were so many people that kind of, they, they, they were like, oh, well, Pat Mahomes is so great and he's got this talent, but we just we think that the 49ers are better, they're more proven this season. Do you think that the battle between Mahomes and Garoppolo went the way that you expected it to go, or do you think there was some surprises in that? Oh, 100%. Pat Mahomes is hands down better than Garoppolo. Garoppolo is mediocre at best. Um, talk about carried by a defense most of the season, that was Garoppolo. Uh, and that, I mean, I expected Garoppolo to do exactly what he did in the Super Bowl, and which was not perform. And he didn't. He didn't perform. I think, um, I, I believe I saw it on Reddit. There was a video that said, um, I believe it was a fumble recovery or an interception. There was something where it was a group celebration by the 49ers, and they, all, the whole team was in there, and they were celebrating, they were up, and then naturally they lost at the end. Do you think they got ahead of themselves, maybe counted the Chiefs out too early, played too late back? What do you think contributed to that loss there at the end? Um, yeah, I think they just, you know, they, they just got a little ahead of themselves. They didn't realize, you know, that, you know, Pat Mahomes is Pat who you're Mahomes, playing. Yeah. I mean, the Chiefs are the comeback kids. That's what they do. And I never count them out. Well, that, it happened. And I was rooting for Kansas City. I mean, my, my team, the Falcons, they, we, yikes. Our season was something. We look good at the end of the season, but I didn't really have a stake in the camp either way. So I was rooting for Kansas City and they had, I mean, they pulled it out. It was a great game. So congratulations to them and that end of the NFL season and now we're in this off-season lull. We're trying to maneuver on into some of the other things that have going on just free to, agency. Just to draft. add something quick in just oh, back ahead. on the Absolutely. Super Bowl. Um, you know, Pat Mahomes was named Super Bowl MVP. 
Of course. That's great player, great athlete. Shouldn't have been Super Bowl MVP. Oh. Super Bowl MVP should have been Damian Williams, the running back. He definitely played a better game. He scored, I think, two or th- two touchdowns. Two, pretty sure. And, I mean, in my opinion, his performance was just way more clutch and just way better than Mahomes. Damian Williams definitely should have been Super Bowl MVP. I like it. I like the take. And also, if we're continuing that, Patrick Mahomes, I believe, broke the Madden cover curse. Yeah. That yeah. was he was on the cover for this past Madden and he broke it. So maybe there's not a curse after all. I still think there's a curse. I just think it's that's a tribute to Madden or a testament, excuse me, to, to Patrick Mahomes, his talent. I mean, that dude is crazy. Uh, but as we said, you know, end of the season, we're starting to move on, how the teams change in the offseason because we're getting ready. The first big thing that a lot of people are talking about is free agency. There's been a lot of rumors about some of the guys moving around, but I think the biggest rumor that we wanted to talk about obviously has to deal with one of the biggest names entering free agency, and that is Tom Brady. Three-time MVP, six-time Super Bowl champ. They started out, he, he's leading the pads. They had a great start, and then – mediocre middle of the season people were starting to question his age finally catching up to him it didn't really look that well and then we look in week 17 they were they were still slated to have the first first round bye they were going to look good and then the dolphins come in beat them 27 to 24 so now they have to play in the wild card and they lose to the titans 20 to 13 they're out and so now brady his contract is set to retire um People have actually been wondering whether or not he's going to retire. I mean, he's 43 or going on 43. So the question that's around him is if he's going to leave. And we, it's hard to say that he would leave. I mean, when I look at it and I think of Tom Brady, I think of New England. Seeing him in another jersey would be like seeing Dwayne Wade play on the Cavs or the Bulls. It just didn't feel right. It would like be like seeing Dirk Nowitzki play in a Suns jersey. I would just not... I don't know. I'd feel weird about it. But then again, maybe he has sights on another team. Who knows? One question is, if he leaves, who's going to replace him? Because right now, the Pats have former Brown starter Cody Kessler, and they've got the fourth-round pick from 2019, Jarrett Stidham. That's all they have. So do the Pats put either one of those guys under center, or do they bring somebody in through the draft free agency? Um. Well, rumor has it that Bill Belichick has made it known that if Jake Fromm falls – low enough in the draft that the Patriots will draft Jake Fromm. Um, So I I could see, I think that they will definitely draft a quarterback if Brady decides to leave, Um, which that one is still, you know, up for grabs. We're not sure. There's been tons of rumors, but we'll have to wait and see because, I mean, just like with Brady um, in his Super Bowl commercial where – we were all like, oh, he's about to announce his retirement. And then all he did was say, Hulu has live sports. And Hulu he's not going anywhere. Sports. So, I mean, with that, we're just going to have to wait and see. I believe that they'll probably go to the draft. I'm not trying to say that Cody Kessler or Jarrett Stidham doesn't have the talent. But I feel like they need, I don't know, they need somebody a little more, a little more tried and true. But... Then the conversation continues. If Brady leaves, where does he go then? Because, I mean, if he's not going to stay with the Pats, and the Pats are going to make an attempt. They're not just going to let him walk away. That is that for much certain. But right now the most talked about landing spots are with the Chargers, the Titans, Buccaneers, even the Dolphins have kind of had some sort of rumor that maybe they're interested in. So if he does leave, 
where does he then go? Well, with the Chargers, uh, Philip Rivers is rumored to be going to play for Indianapolis, and if that's the case, um, you know, Tom Brady in a L.A. Chargers uniform, I don't see it being super unlikely. I mean, it's definitely a possibility. They've got a new stadium this year, SoFi Stadium. Yeah. With They're sharing it with the Rams, but, I mean, great new place to play, great fans. Yeah, I could see it. So. Or, I mean, Brady to the Dolphins, I find that one to be probably the most, you know, the least likely choice, um, especially with them projected to draft Tua Tagovailoa. Um, and I just don't see the Dolphins wasting that much cap space on a one-year contract for Brady when, you know, it kind of seemed like last season age was catching up to him, so I don't see the I don't see the Dolphins wasting that much money on Brady when they can bring in the fresh, you know, Tua Tagovailoa, who's outstanding quarterback. Uh, with the Buccaneers, Brady going to the Buccaneers, I still I find that one very unlikely. Also, I see them sticking with Jameis for one more season. I know he was thirty for 30, 30 touchdowns, thirty picks, first quarterback to ever do it. I mean, it's insane. He led the NFL in, in passing yards, picks, and, I mean, it's crazy. But I see them maybe one more season of Jameis. If he doesn't pan out, then they look for a quarterback. Uh, Brady to the Titans. That one, that one's tough. You know, they have Ryan Tannehill under center right now. Um, he had, I mean, he had a phenomenal season in my opinion. I mean, he was on my fantasy team, trust me. He he played great. He delivered the points. Oh, he did. Him and Derrick Henry. Whew, studs. But it's up, you know, there there's no confirmation yet that they're going to re-sign Tannehill. But if they do re-sign Tannehill, I don't see them bringing in Brady. But, I mean, with all, all of that, all of that being said, it's Tom Brady. You can't, I mean, I can't say that, oh, well, they're going to re-sign this quarterback, so there's no way this... There's no way they'll sign that. No, I mean he's he's the greatest to ever do it. Six Super Bowls, you know, three time MVP. I mean, when you think Tom Brady, you think goat. And any, I, I, I just don't see even. It's just, it's just hard to see I got a team passing up on that. And yeah. we've even seen. I think it was a video of um, Dana White. Was it talking about getting him to come to Las Vegas? Say hey, new stadium, new look, bring the Raiders franchise, put a new breath of fresh air in there. So, you know, I, I feel like it's the same thing when you know LeBron James said, "I'm leaving Cleveland." Every team was lining up at the door trying to find some way to get him there. But then again, people argue that this past season shows Father Time's knocking on the door for Brady. Maybe it was the team around him. I'm not sure, but I he he didn't look as Snappy and as talented as he usually is. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at it as he didn't have his one of his, you know, biggest targets over the last five, six seasons. And Rob Gronkowski, I mean, who was just an outstanding target, pretty much. I mean, in the red zone, they light him up at receiver, throw the ball up, he'd come down with it in the end zone. I mean, that was just what they did. I mean, Julian Edelman obviously was still in there, but he just he just did not have the supporting cast around him for a productive offense. And the Patriots had. One of the worst offenses in the NFL all season. It was it was awful, and you know everybody everybody's so quick to say, "Oh, look at Brady! It's finally catching up to him. All his ages." And 
you know, that may not be the case. Like you said, it may just be who was around him. He didn't have the talent that he has had. And, you know, you know, and like I said, everybody's just so quick. And they're finally, they're finally able to say, like, yes, Tom Brady's finally oh, not yeah. the GOAT. But we'll see. And in my opinion, just throw it out there. We're going to see Tom Brady in a Chargers uniform next season. You're going Chargers. If I had to, if I had to pick the best fit, I, I, I'd probably say the Titans. I mean, they've got a great play-action offense, and I think Brady's performed well in the play-action. They've got a great running back in Derrick Henry. I mean, he is showing that, hey, he's only going up from here. And I just feel like maybe the Titans is where – I mean, because they were they were almost there. They really were. They they were very close in, to getting into – the Super Bowl conversation this past season, but they just didn't have that spark that they needed. So, well, with that being said, if for some reason, you know, if Tom Brady happens to go to the Chargers, or not the Chargers, sorry, the Titans, I mean, what happens? Does Ryan Tannehill, do they re-sign Tannehill as a backup, and then Marcus Mariota go somewhere else? Or does, you know, Brady sign with the Titans, and then Tannehill goes somewhere else? And if Tannehill does end up going to another team, do you see him maybe being a starting quarterback or a backup? I still think he's got some good starting minutes in him. It's going to depend on the quarterbacks that are in play because there are several quarterbacks that are coming into this draft. Obviously, we see young quarterbacks coming all the time, and so there are going to be some guys that coaches are like, you know what, I want to see what he looks like. Let's put him up at the starting line. But, I mean, you know, Kirk Cousins, Marcus Mariota, Phillip Rivers, and there's a lot of names, you know, quarterback positions that are that are going right. Even uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he, he's in the mix as well. So I think it's just going to depend on how the signings go, how the dominoes fall for him. And honestly, if you told me, you know, all right, well, you were the man under center last season. We're thinking about bringing in Tom Brady, and you could be the backup to him. He's going on 43, and most he'll be here for two years. Do you think you could play under him? In my own opinion, if that was me, I would say hell yes, because then that that gives me a chance to learn from one of the greatest to ever do it. So you also have to look at maybe he he thinks I might have some way to to gain from this, and if Tom Brady happens to go down from injury, or if his age starts to show up, and maybe he can't, you know, maybe he needs to sit out third quarters, or maybe they're trying to rest him or things like that. He can Tannehill can come in and still change a game. He can still have those moments. I think they don't keep Mariota. I think he goes somewhere else. Um, but it's just going to depend on when and if Tom Brady leaves and where he goes. The reason and, that I say Brady's not going to Tampa, um, I have a strong feeling, and this is just me, my personal opinion, I have a very strong feeling we will see Teddy Bridgewater in a Buccaneers jersey. Under Jameis or, or Jameis leaves? Time you don't have to tell. Time I, tell I don't know. I, I just think we'll see Bridgewater in a Bucks uniform. If... I feel like what will happen is he'll sign with the Bucks and season will start. Jameis comes out, same old stuff, throwing picks, boom, bench, Bridgewater. That's my that's my take right there. Bridgewater, Bucks uniform, Jameis comes out, not play you know, doesn't play well, boom. Bridgewater's gonna be the Buccaneers starter by week four next season. All right. I like the take. I really do. Um another I guess you could say aspect of this whole story and where is Tom Brady going to go there have been several people connected to Antonio Brown that have said Brady's been in contact or constant contact with him talking planning just getting the pieces together 
And it has been said that Brady told Antonio Brown that I want you to be where I go next. Because they, they almost had the potential to have a great season in New England before things happened with Antonio Brown. All the allegations came against him, and, and he was released by the, the Patriots. So do you think Antonio Brown comes back to play with him? Do you think that's going to play a role if maybe a team can sign Antonio Brown and lure Brady that way? Uh, I don't think there's a chance A.B. ever signs another NFL contract. I feel like his actions have ruined his reputation. I feel like um, he's just done a little too much. Does he be... embody that locker room cancer stereotype? Oh, he's he's 100% just too much drama, drama queen. That's why we call him Antonio Clown. I mean, he's just... <laughs> it, it, it's... I just don't see him ever playing another snappy NFL. Maybe the XFL, but not the NFL. You know, I mean, you look at it and, you know, I say that, but, I mean, Mike Vick, dogfighting, marijuana, all that, got all that trouble, got arrested. I mean, he came back. He was signed by the Eagles. Had a, I mean, not phenomenal career, but, you know, he was decent. He got the job done in Philly. Um, Not, you know, great, but, like I said, decent finished out his career and I mean it wasn't awful but like I said people make mistakes there's a chance he could come back and but I, I my opinion I, I don't see Antonio Brown ever playing another snap of football in the NFL mm. ever if he does it'd be a very very limited window I'm, I'm assuming uh, I, I think so I mean he's already up there in age I and mean, he's been in the NFL for I'm not sure I can't remember how long but I mean it's been a decent amount of time and, you know, he's taken a lot of hard hits to the head, a lot of hard hits just to the body. I mean, it's it's it wears and tears on you. And he's, you know, been out of football for so long now. And, you know, he, he might not even be in football shape anymore. Even if he does come back, I don't see him playing at the level that he was playing before he left. Interesting. Well, we'll see. Again, time tells that. And I believe that the NFL is set for a wild free agency. And not just free agency, but the draft is coming up as well. I know several mock drafts have Joe Burrow going at number one, Chase Young at number two to the, to the Redskins. Um, and even you mentioned earlier Tua Tagovailoa from Bama. He, he's projected to go to the Dolphins. Um, and that brings up a question. Does the potential for Brady to go to Miami and maybe you know start for that year and be a mentor to Tua, does that excite you? Does that show any kind of promise in that uh like i already said i don't see it happening like i said the dolphins i don't i don't think they want to waste that amount of money on brady for one or two seasons when they could you know spend a lot less for a very good quarterback into a you know and have that money maybe to sign a big free agent or maybe to you know adjust contracts you know extend stuff like that so i i just brady I just no i don't see it okay and talking with the draft, the most talked about draft pick right now, at least um, in the quarterback race, is Joe Burrow. I mean, he arguably had an outstanding season at LSU already this year in 2020. They won the national championship against Clemson in almost dominant fashion. It wasn't as dominant as they played against Oklahoma, which that was just a freakishly unbelievable performance right there. Well, I mean, Big 12 defense, it's surprising. <laughs> Um, but it, it's rumored and, and pretty much all but confirmed now, you know, without his name being called at the podium, that he's going to go to the Bengals. So do you think that this is a guarantee? Do you think maybe the Bengals might play everybody and say, oh, we're not going to take Burrow and then maybe rob Chase Young from the Redskins at number two? 
What do you think? Uh, the Bengals are definitely not. They're they're not going to draft uh, a defensive player first. If anything, um, they draft. They will draft a quarterback. If it's not Burrow, um, they might take Tua or Justin Herbert, who had I mean an outstanding combine. I mean he looked great throwing just beautiful passes. Looked great. Um, if the Bengals, you know, do take Burrow, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I mean, obviously Joe Burrow is a great quarterback. Um, Burrow apparently has been in contact with the Bengals about re-signing AJ Green because I mean, obviously, who wouldn't want to throw the ball to AJ Green in the rookie season? I mean, he's Love outstanding. Um, right now, um, AJ Green he's fourth in receiving yards since he entered the league, and in Cincinnati history, he he's second for total receptions at six hundred and two receiving yards, which in his career he's amassed eight thousand nine hundred and seven and sixty three receiving touchdowns as well. Um, and, and you you brought that up how he's he's been in contact trying to you know resign him do something and the talks with his contract extension they've stalled they really haven't gotten anywhere he didn't really play in the 2019 season he had an ankle injury a couple of torn ligaments and in terms of just stirring up that rumor mill and, and bringing out what's coming out the Bengals they've said they might even look to franchise tag him I mean he's given a year I think it was 18 million that he he was told and Green said in December that he's not going to participate in any organized team activities if he's given that franchise tag he'd probably not go so much to training camp because he'd be more focused on getting himself back in for football shape and he said he's got to protect himself long term so looking at that and you've got Joe Burrow coming in on this one side I mean, Burrow has denied any kind of rumor saying that he didn't want to suit up for Cincinnati. He's coming in. Do you think that maybe A.J. Green hears that Burrow wants to have him re-signed and, and think that they can maybe form this this dynamic duo? Do you think that helps him out with their contract talks? Do you think Cincinnati gives him the franchise tag and it makes A.J. just kind of, well, I'm going to be here for a year. I'm looking at my long-term state. I'm just going to play what I got to play and then dip out in free agency. What do you think that does with that situation? Um, well, I think the main issue here, uh, AJ Green heard that Joe Burrow has baby hands. Um, and he just doesn't want to play with a quarterback baby that hands. has baby hands. But was it nine inch measurements? Yeah. Nine inch but in all, in all seriousness. Um, but does that, I mean, you saw what he did at LSU, though. I mean, oh, it's not going to make a difference. They're, they're, <laughs> they're, I mean, they're making a mountain out of a molehill with that. There's no, right. there's no reason. For that to even be a big deal, but with Burrow, AJ Green, AJ Green, he's—I don't see him staying in Cincy. If I was him, I wouldn't stay in Cincy. It's a horrible organization, horrible front office, just an all-around terrible just organization. I wouldn't want to. Do play you think for him. maybe they franchise tag him to keep him around for this coming year, and then he goes to free agency as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. AJ Green. You will not see AJ Green in a Bengals uniform much longer. I almost so, guarantee. So what? It. And, and we're playing a hypothetical here. What if Joe Burrow comes in and they form this connection that just lights up NFL defenses all season long? And AJ Green's like, "Wow, this kid talent." Well, for that to happen, Cincinnati better draft some O linemen because their offensive line is hot garbage, um, and that's the one reason that I'm you know a little hoping just Joe Burrow is. You know, ready for it because he's coming into you know he had a very good offensive line in LSU, and I'm hoping that he's ready to not have a mediocre offensive line. And right. so we'll we'll see. I'm a little 
So do you think, I mean, because there, there's a lot of hype around Joe Burrow. I'm not going to equate it to, um, well, actually, I think I can. It may not be the same level, but, I mean, we talk about with the NBA draft this past season, Zion Williamson coming in. And of course, he had the injuries, kept him out for most of the season. Now he's gotten back. He's looked like he hasn't missed a step. But, you know, Burrow's got a lot of hype, and everybody's talking about him, specifically what he did while he was in college. Do you think that he's got the talent to back up that hype, or do you think that a lot of his talent came from the, the crew he had around him in LSU, the coaching, calling, with, with Orgeron and, and, and his offensive play calling, do you, you know, the receivers, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, do you think it was that, or do you think he actually had that talent? Oh, no, he 100% had the talent. I mean, don't get me wrong, he had NFL caliber, caliber receivers, great play calling, but, I mean, if you look at some of the throws he made, just perfect passes, I mean – Burrow himself even said his receivers, if the cornerback's not looking, his his receivers are open. I mean, making just tight window throws. I mean, Burrow has the talent. He's got a great arm. Um, it definitely helped having his supporting right. around I him. Right. I mean, any, no, any player is going to look good with that. He is definitely a great talent at quarterback. And he's also, you know, mobile. He can run. He can. He can move. So I, I think Burrow... I, I, I think Bro is going to be a great quarterback. I have no doubt about it. And like I said, it, it's all but guaranteed. They just got to call his name at the, at the podium. You know, I believe the Cincinnati Bengals, they're looking for a quarterback. They need that next guy to really give them a, a, an image or a definition for their franchise. I've, uh, I've seen rumors, you know, Andy Dalton may end up in New England if Burrow is, you know, drafted by the Bengals. Something, You know, Andy Dalton may end up in New England. I mean, that that's another thing, and that again deals with the with the dominoes falling. And I think really it's going to depend on how the teams draft and then what Brady does. That decision is going to spawn everything else oh, yeah. in the league. So it's going to be interesting to see. Um, and we we did mention some of the other picks. There's a lot of great talent coming into this draft class. Um, Chase Young at number two, like I said, he's projected to go to, one the, player, to the Redskins. One player that I really want to uh, you know keep an eye on. Uh, well, a couple of different players I want to keep an eye on. Definitely Justin Herbert right. from Oregon, uh, great quarterback, and uh, Jonathan Taylor. Ooh, yes, from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. He wow. uh, it's a great running back. Had a great combine. Also, uh, ran a great forty. Um, keep an eye on him. I think he's going to be a just outstanding player. I think it's always fun for me because you you hear the statement said over and over and over. Well, college talent doesn't translate to NFL talent. So I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do at the next level, and we're almost at that point. I mean, the draft's coming up. It's going to be a lot of a lot of big picks, maybe some trades. You never know. It's going to be exciting. One more development that's going to be voted on here in the coming weeks and that could change the NFL, not just for this coming season, but all the way up until 2030, is the new proposed NFL CBA, or Collective Bargaining Agreement. Right now, the provisions that are given with this agreement, and it has been voted on by the owners, they're all go, so I think it's just going to come down to the players, but they have said that they're going to um, expand the playoff field by two teams, so now there would be seven teams from each conference coming in, only one first round by, only one team gets that open spot in that first round, um, versus now we currently have two teams that do that, and that would make it so that there are six games on wildcard weekend, three on Saturday, three on Sunday. There's also proposing to expand the regular season from 16 to 17 games and shortening the preseason by one from four games to three games. And there are some other things, which includes uh, reshaping the financial aspects of player contracts and how much of the the NFL's profits that they can share in. 
Um, and this, of course, was an effort to satisfy them because there's been several players that have come to the forefront and have said, you know, we're, we're not down to extend the, the game or the total number of games to 17. And it's just hard on our bodies. It, 16 has already been wrecking havoc, and if we go 17, and some owners are even trying to push for 18, you know, they're against that. So I think they included this reshaping of the monetary aspect of it to give the players at least a valid something in return of putting their body on the line for that of the week. And they've also made changes to the league's drug policy concerning marijuana use and punishments for DUIs and, and PED usage. So do you like the way that, you know, if we were to, if they vote this in and the next season starts, three preseason games, 17 regular season games, and then now seven teams from both conferences, 14 total in the playoffs. Do you think that, that makes it new and exciting, or is it just going to be more of the same? I really like the idea of extending the playoffs, you know, one team each conference. I like that. But extending the season to 17 games, does it make a difference in the end? It's hard to say. Um, I I don't see the reasoning why we need to extend the season to 17 games. You know, the four preseason, 16 regular season, and the playoffs. Plenty enough football for me, personally. Well, so, and, and the way that they're trying to justify it, it, it would be the same amount of football. You just have one less preseason game and one more regular season game. Because a lot of people say the preseason doesn't matter. But I agree with the players. You know, I mean, that's a lot of wear and tear on someone's body. And, I mean, you know, preseason, you're not playing – 100%. So, I mean, you're, you're adding, you know, a whole nother game of just absolutely going hard and just, you know, you're risking, you're also risking an injury. And I, I just, I don't like that. I don't like that change. Now, the playoff change, though, adding the extra team, I do like that. It makes it a little, you know, a little more competitive there. But we'll have to see. Absolutely. And like I said, the owners have already approved it, but the players have to, to vote on it and they may lobby to change that, that regular season rule because if this were to go into an effect this season, it lasts until 2030. And that's, you know, a long time in between. And you said the players have a valid argument against saying no, and that, that's what they're trying to do, which I, I think that's why the league, at least the owners were saying, okay, well, we'll give them a higher percentage of the profit share and the minimum salary contracts are going to start going up and it's just going to help them get more money in the long run. So, We'll have to see how that goes, but it's definitely interesting because it can it can reshape the way that um, the way that things are played. And if you're looking at it from a fan standpoint, I mean the fans, I've seen more people, at least in my family or friend circle, that they don't really watch preseason games. And they keep up with it to see the score. Us oh, great, but when they start watching on week one, they're all in it. And every single Sunday, we're watching, we're tuning in, we're trying to figure out what's going on. So as a fan standpoint, I'm pretty sure they're a fan saying, "Well, absolutely, one more game, yeah, let's do it." But Players have a different point of view on it. The owners have a different point of view on it. And that's why it's been met with such opposition and why it hasn't automatically gone through. I mean, it's gone through voting processes. So we'll have to see where that goes. That is a big development coming up with um, the NFL. All right. So we've talked about basketball. We've talked about football, a lot of developments. And another recent development that has actually taken place in the world of baseball it's come to light that in 2017, the World Series champion, Houston Astros. Wait, I'm sorry. I think you said that wrong. The Houston Trastros is the correct name for that That's team. what we're going with? Okay. Houston Trastros. I don't know if it's got a ring to it, but I like it. Yes. I like it. Yes. So in 2017, the Houston Trastros yes. won the World Series 
but it is now we know they used a, a, a sign stealing scandal in order to let their batters know what pitches the pitchers are going to be throwing and it's been a big deal i mean there have been players from all across the league and even from other sports saying that it's tarnished that trophy not the trophy that teams have won in the past when they won it legitimately but just for that season that whole campaign has been tarnished by that players have spoken out against it and there has been a punishment uh, given to the astros right now the punishment was that for a year the team's GM and manager were suspended and then the Astros eventually dismissed and fired these individuals and now they cannot work within the MLB until that suspension is up. Um, of course, it's not a guarantee that they are ever going to find work again because people know that their names are associated with doing something that was just completely horrible. The Astros also got a $5 million fine, which is the maximum fine that they can be targeted with and they also lost their first and second round draft picks in both 2020 and 2021 so do you think that that punishment was harsh or not harsh enough not harsh enough by a long shot no players got suspended you know there was no repercussions on the players and lately if you've been watching spring training none of the Astros players show any remorse whatsoever for what they did um bullshit they cheated hands down cheated um, no other way to put it. Cheating is cheating. I don't care what it is. Um, yeah. That's what you say. And I, I, I'm in agreement with it. I don't know if... Because it, it's hard to, I guess, try to find an adequate punishment. But I just... I don't think... I mean, right now, if you're looking at it from a franchise standpoint, losing your top two draft picks two years in a row, that's going to hurt your future development. So you're already dealing with that. I don't think the five million dollar fine. I think it's just a drop in the bucket in terms of what their what the entire club is worth. But I just I don't know. I, I feel like there should have been something more. And in your opinion, what do you think the punishment should have been? Oh, uh, suspensions for the players for sure, for sure suspensions. Especially Jose Altuve, who we all know definitely cheated. I mean, hundred um, percent. Just suspensions for players because. You know, none of the Astros players got suspended, but now the commissioners come out and said that if an opposing pitcher hits an Astros batter with the ball, that they're going to be suspended. You don't think that's right? No, not at all. It's not not at all. I think. I mean, if I'm a, you know, because that doesn't just it doesn't just affect you know like oh they won the World Series that affects players, um, you know, in the long run of other teams. Like, you know, a pitcher comes out and has a, you know, a terrible series against him in the playoffs. Um, and they come out and they have, you know, terrible series against them. And, you know, maybe the team says, wow, he did not play good in the World Series. Or he did not play good in that series. Let's, you know, move on from him and find somebody who can actually perform in the, the playoffs. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't just affects you know like oh the Astros cheated I mean it, it, it's way way more than just that and I, I just I feel like it, it's hard to try to find a punishment that's going to be equal ground for everybody uh, you know, in my eyes the way that I viewed it it was pretty much a, a player started it, it was a player thing 
I mean, the management, I believe, was aware of it. I'm pretty sure that they would have been able to hear banging on trash cans and, and figured out there would have been some connection to it. And I believe they are at fault somewhat for allowing that to happen. But I think it, it was the players. They're the ones that started it. They're the ones that thought that that was okay. And, you know, they thought that they got away with it, and now we know that they haven't. But I feel like if, if you're punishing players for their role in it, there, it's hard because you have to punish everybody that was on that roster. You can't just say, okay, well, it was you, 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 and you. It was everybody because everybody on that roster benefited in, in some way from it. Obviously, they say, hey, I'm a 2017 World Series champion. When you look in the books and the history books, you go back, you lose 2017 World Series champion, Houston Astros, Title. and it listed. And so when you have to punish the players, first of all, the logistics of doing that, because there's players that have left the team, there are players that are still in free agency, you have to dish out fines and suspensions, and it's going to mess up the current teams that they've got right now. So, I mean, it's going to create a huge can of worms that you'd have to open to do that. I think that would be probably my best route, and, and you know, punish the players. Yeah, you can say, oh, it's going to hurt the team that they're on right now. They picked up this player because he's got talent and they've been game planning with this player it's repercussions it's consequences you got to face it um then again i you know if you the only other way that i could see them maybe even getting a valid punishment is if you vacate the championship but even then if you do that there's a big problem with all the profits that the Astros organization has gotten since then i mean naturally when they won the 2017 world series they sold an X amount of money, and it was most likely a large amount of money in oh, Houston Astros t-shirts, hats, signed baseballs, whatever. That resulted from that. Not only that, I mean, their profits continued into that 2018 season because now we are the defending World Series champions. Our fans have something to come in and see. So, you know, it, it would be hard to say and quantify this is how much you've gained. You have to pay that or you have to do something with that. And if the league was not able to, to do something with that, and then any other team in the future would go, okay, well, if we cheat, even if we get caught with it, they might strip our title, or it might still show up with an asterisk by our name, but we don't lose any of the money we gain from it. So that's still a win for us, you know? Do you, I mean, I just I think it's hard to, to find an adequate punishment for it, other than what's already been done. Yeah, I mean, I can see, you know, I can agree that it, it would be hard, but I, I still think the punishment was a cupcake punishment. I... I like I said, cheating is cheating. There should be a harsher punishment. I agree. And like I said, I feel like the players need to be punished first because the team GM and manager have both been fired and they're dealing with that. But no suspensions for players. I feel like that was a big thing, definitely. Um, and even whenever you go back and you look at the record books, you go back and you look at the history of the MLB and you see the Houston Astros are 2017 World Series champions, there needs to be some indicator that lets people know title's vacated, title's gone. Yes, yeah. it happened, and we can't change that it happened, but there's a reason why it doesn't apply. To yeah, that. I mean, that's exactly how – I mean, you look in the record books, it should oh, – like, let's say, you know, you look back and it'll say 2016, whatever, 2017, Houston Astros, Astros, title stripped. And that literally should be the extent of it. Just know that there was something that happened, like you said. They may have won, but it was stripped. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. And there's actually been people that have been arguing and saying, well, I, when you look at it, did this really give the Astros a competitive edge? Uh, we look at the stats. Um, obviously, if, if we had to pick one person that was affected most by this whole thing, Clayton Kershaw. I argue he's probably the greatest pitcher of his generation. Dude's future first ballot Hall of Famer. Guy's got great talent. He starts out in game one in L.A., 
first game of the World Series. Everybody's watching him. The eyes of the baseball world are, and even others are on him. He comes out, 11 strikeouts. He allows only one run. Dominant performance. I think he pitched seven innings that game. Yep. Then he comes in game five in Houston now. He's now on the road. And I believe he pitched for five innings or just short of five innings. He allowed six runs and just two strikeouts in that game. So we we flipped the script in terms of what he's done. And he left the game with more walks and strikeouts. He had three walks and only two strikeouts. That was more walks and strikeouts that he has put up on the board since 2010. And out of the 51 breaking balls that he threw, zero, count them, zero, were swung on and missed. Do you think that that's evidence right there? Oh, no. Oh my gosh, clear. It's 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 clear and obvious that you know what they were doing was a clear advantage for their batters. Like I, you know, Clayton Kershaw, one of the best technical pitchers with his breaking balls in the game. The accuracy that he throws with his breaking balls is incredible. Where he play, I mean, it's just incredible. And for him to come out and throw fifty-one and not one of them to be swung on and missed. That's just that's just too hard to believe. I I I mean, now I'm not gonna lie. When you watch that game, he did have a little bit of an off game. I know that this was going on in the background, but I mean, some of those pitches that he was throwing, they weren't a hundred percent. But even then, even when he's not at his a hundred percent, I mean, we've seen in the past where he still had these breaking balls, and not just the breaking balls, but pitches that he's thrown. Swung on, missed, he's confused batters. And then all of a sudden for this game five, which was one of the wildest games in World Series history, I think the final score was 13-12, it just, it was not, it didn't seem right. And now that this has come to light, now that they were doing this, that seems like it was a pretty good reason as to why he was having that bad game. Another, I guess you could say, piece of evidence that may give some legitimacy to the argument that cheating gave the Astros a competitive edge, we look at one of the Astros hitters, Marwin Gonzalez. He, after this 2017 season, managed to get a $21 million deal from the Twins. And he did not perform. I mean, his 2017 numbers, although they were trash can assisted, I mean, they weren't up to that height. And then in 2017, he's got this great season. People said, okay, he's breaking out. This is his time. Maybe he's good. And he gets this deal from the Twins, but he has not performed to that level since. Is that a coincidence or is it just? What oh do you think? no, it, it's it's definitely a contrib. I mean, it's a straight contributing factor to him not being told what pitches are being thrown at him. I mean, it, it's a hundred percent. I mean, back in you know he's playing for the Astros. He comes he comes up to bat. He knows. Oh, okay, a slider's coming at me. So he knows what to look for. He comes up to bat. Oh, a curveball. Okay. When I was playing for the Twins, he steps up to bat. Oh, who knows? I don't know what's coming at me. You know, I've played a whole you know an entire season knowing what was being thrown at me and now I just have no idea and you I mean it's a it's a I mean a straight decline of just statistics from when he was cheating to when he wasn't so yes it's clear and obvious clear and obvious and I, and I think regardless of the punishment regardless of what's going on I think the most clear thing is that it, I mean it's had an impact in baseball because I mean everybody's talking about it there's a lot of um, well-known players Mike Trout included Clayton Kershaw I mean there's been a lot of guys they've come out and they've said that's not right because it didn't just impact the Astros and helping them win. I mean, there were guys that came out. But I mean, 
from what we know, they didn't just do it in the World Series. They were doing it the entire postseason. Yeah, they, so, I mean, they, you got they, guys, they did it in 2017, 2018, and 2019. Before they were caught. Yeah. And so you've got these guys that are going against them, and, and the postseason is where it matters. I mean, that's where even if they're not going to be re-signing with the team they're at, I mean, other people, whenever they're looking at the, hey, I'm going to sign this person to a contract, the postseason is where it matters. If they had a lackluster regular season and then they come out and they're just smoking balls to right field every hit and just doing crazy stuff in the postseason, they have a better advantage. And so when they came up against this and all of a sudden their stats were just unnaturally bad, maybe they didn't get the the contracts that they wanted the next time around. You know, so I think it's impacted more people. So I think I don't agree with the punishment. I think it should have been more harsh. But I just think it's been such a hard thing. And, again, it's one of those time will tell kind of things because it, the investigation is still open. They're still talking with people about it. They're still trying to figure out all the different the pieces and the parts that were played. But we'll definitely see. All right. And so the last thing that we're going to run through is we're coming to the end of our first episode. Just some quick little headlines. I'll, I'll read them out to you. These have been Some of these have been smaller headlines. Some of them have been more recent. Some of them really have no bearing on the world of sports. They're just sports athletes doing crazy things and i'll ask you what you think about them and we'll run through these before we end the episode hopefully you guys have enjoyed the episode so far but we're going to kind of take this a little bit faster first off the top of the deck mike trout blasts an absolute piss missile over the netting at top golf and we know top golf i mean there are golf clubs but they don't have the best clubs out there they're not spending all that money on that and the netting I believe at every top golf facility, I think they've limited it to 215 yards. And in the video online, when he hit it, this golf ball looked like it was going to break and then took a hop and was gone into the night. That, come on, superhuman aspect. Oh, he said it's the moon, moonshot. I mean, crush it. I mean, you wouldn't expect anything. Does that land in somebody's you know backyard? Land on somebody's car? You know, 400 Pretty yards sure away? Pretty sure it landed in South Africa. He may, honestly, <laughs> may not get hit the ground yet. I um, mean, he absolutely crushed it. Now, and, and a little bit of curiosity in me, I want to see him go on a driving challenge against some of these top golfers. I want to, I want to see who can hit it farther. I mean, he had a, not even a professional club that some guy had used two hours earlier and was hitting dingers off the right netting over there, and he just, I mean, give him a correct club that, that is meant for this stuff. How far are you thinking he's going to hit this? Oh, I mean, he'll hit it. I mean, he'll hit it a country mile. I mean, thank. I mean, he's got all that baseball power behind him. That's what all that's coming from. So I, he could definitely outdrive some of the top golfers. That was, that was something to see. If you haven't seen the video, I would recommend looking it up because that ball, like I said, it looked like it was going down and then it disappeared into the night. And I don't think they found it. There's a, there's an amber alert out for that ball. Spike Lee, he said, you know, I'm, I love the Knicks. I'm not coming back to Madison Square Garden this season. Apparently, the whole dispute was over whether or not uh, he was supposed to be coming into the employees-only entrance. They now have a dedicated VIP entrance, and he's been going there 30 years using the same entrance, and now he's like, you know what? Uh, no, I wanted to use my entrance. I mean, it's... I feel like what the whole situation... I feel like it's, it's, it's blown out of proportion, but, I mean, at the same time, it could be argued, like he said, you know, I've used the same entrance for 28 years, I think he said. He's 28, almost 30 now. Yeah, something like that. I mean, and, you know, he said, I walked in, I scanned my ticket, I was waiting on the elevator, and then... Here we go. It's all of a sudden a problem. Yeah, all of a sudden it's a problem. He said, I've done the same thing for, you know, almost 30 years. Well, all of a sudden. So, I mean, I can see I can see his argument side of it. It's like, well, all of a sudden. But at the same time, 
you're gonna sit in the same seat courtside. You're gonna you're getting there. I mean, plus all, all the rest of the celebrities use the VI. Yeah, I was about to say. I mean, you, like, you have a chance to meet with, unless he just doesn't want to run into anybody that he knows from work. You I'm know, sure, I've, but, I've done that. I've been in Walmart and I see somebody I work with. I duck behind the bread aisle and you know. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Like and if I'm the Knicks, I, he's a fan I don't want to push away because I mean he's spent nearly ten million dollars on tickets. He's always yeah. there courtside, and he's probably one of their biggest sources of press right now because he's constantly wearing that. I mean, he's got orange glasses for goodness' sake. Like, I mean, I just feel like right now it's just kind of one of those arguments that you see siblings have, like, oh, he took my shirt and didn't give it back, or somebody. It's just some of those little petty arguments. I think it's going to be settled because he did say he's going to come back next year, but. Just blown well, we'll out of proportion. Just blown out of proportion. That's all it is. Well, leagues and sports worldwide right now are at a crossroads. They're taking action against the coronavirus. We've heard news after news after news how it's coming around. And right now, I mean, there's been several things. First of all, right now, all Italian sporting events for this next month until April 3rd, no fans are going to be allowed in at all. They're just... And I don't know if you've ever played in a stadium without fans or seen a game without fans. It's different. I mean that without a crowd there, it's just kind of. I mean, it's I guess almost it's, like it's it's basically like you're at practice. It, yeah, you're it, at it practice. Feel the same. But I mean, even then, you could use that edge. Uh, you know, um, WrestleMania is supposed to be in Tampa Bay this year. The the pirate theme set up going to be with the Buccaneers Stadium. I'm not sure how they're going to incorporate the giant pirate ship that they have there, but it's always interesting how they set up their stage. And they have said that. Still going to be going on, even though there's been several reports that coronavirus, some cases of the coronavirus have actually been found there. Um, the NBA, they've asked players to not high five fans, instead give them a fist bump, something real quick, and try not to take pins to autograph things. Don't even take jerseys, shoes, posters, whatever. Try to refrain from that. I mean, CJ McCollum posted a tweet. He said, "Wash off hands. I'm I'm taking a break. I'm not doing this. It's just ridiculous." Um, the MLB, they've started a task force to try to figure out what they need to do. And there's been no no announcements or anything about, you know, you've got March Madness coming up, the Boston Marathon, uh, the Masters. I mean, do you think something needs to be done? Are we – do we need to ban fans or what, – what, what, or is it just not something we need to be worried about? Uh, it's definitely something that we need to worry about, but you can't – go around you know living in fear of the coronavirus i just feel like things should be carried on as usual um you know precautions definitely need to be taken but i not having fans just kind of ruins the whole aspect of the sports and everything and don't get me wrong safety is definitely number one priority key. you don't want yes. that spreading but i don't think it's a big enough issue in the u.s right now that we should be super concerned about you know keeping Keep fans, fans away. Out of, yeah, right now. I mean, if it gets to a point where that well, should happen, then pe- yes. People, people should be washing hands and practicing hygiene. And yeah. I believe that with the medical advances we have now, I'm pretty sure we'll find ways to combat it coming soon. But I guess you're taking the approach, hey, you know, just live your life. What was the phrase that you have? If Oh, if that's just if that's how I go, that's how I go. That's, maybe that's how people need to live. I, I don't know. Um, we mentioned Joe Burrow earlier, and he's recently said that he does not want anybody to compare him to the GOAT Tom Brady. Do you think there's any substance to that, or do you, maybe he's just he's tired of hearing those comparisons? I wouldn't want to be compared to Tom Brady. I mean, you want to be your own player. I yeah, guess. I mean, I don't I don't want to come into the league with people being like, oh, he's the next Tom Brady. I mean, that's that's some big shoes to fill. I mean, that's not just you know like saying like like if you came into the league and somebody was like, well, that's the next Russell Wilson. Well. I mean, yeah, Russell Wilson's really good, and you know, and all, but it's not Tom Brady. Like, it's not, it's not Tom I mean, Brady. six Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, 
I mean, I, I guess it's kind of the same way where how people have said Zion Williamson is the next LeBron James. Do you, I, I'm assuming that I mean, I've always hated when people pile expectations on me, and and it's, I, there's there is some. It might be a subconscious fear. You might not know about it, but just worrying that you don't stack up to those expectations or that you might fail to meet those expectations. I guess maybe he just doesn't want that added pressure. Yeah, probably. Um, in other news, um, Tim Howard, one of the greatest uh, goalies to ever play for the U.S. You know, men's national team, is coming out of retirement. He's um, coming back. Yeah, it's insane. I never thought it would happen, but yeah, he's coming out of retirement. All right. You know, and, and whenever you hear about players retiring or anybody, you... It's always said that the player knows best. I mean, your agent can tell you, oh, you got another year, right? Oh, come on, keep going. Your, your team, obviously, you're, you know, the franchise, if you've been that franchise player, they're going to look at you and go, hey, I know you've been thinking about calling it quits, but you, you, you can keep it up, right? You, you know, they're, people are going to keep pushing, but only, only the player knows best. And we've seen it before. Players have said, you know what? I just, this is it. I'm gonna hang up the boots. Yeah, Andrew hang up Luck, the shoes. for example. Andrew Luck. I mean, he Rob, I think Gronkowski retired at first, and they came back. Uh, yeah. Calvin Johnson. I mean, Calvin Johnson. He's a so, great example. He definitely had at least, you know, three, four, five more seasons in him. But he just said, you know, it was just too much on his body and retired early. Same thing with Andrew Luck. I mean, he definitely had more seasons in him. He was a great quarterback, but he just called it quits early for the sake of, you know, he was just tired of getting injured. But we've seen players come back from retirement, and they've they've looked good. Yeah. So who knows? He he, he might come back and do something big. We don't know. Um, we mentioned Jameis Winston earlier, talking about whether or not he was going to be staying with the Buccaneers. Of course, it's come to light that last season he played through both a broken thumb and then later on in the season a torn meniscus. And in this last month, he's actually had LASIK eye surgery. So 2020 vision Jameis, is he going to throw 30 30- I'm still waiting on the 30 for 30 documentary about Jameis Winston's 30 for 30 season. I'm still waiting yeah. on that. But yeah. do you think what this does LASIK, is it going to help him out? Is he going to be throwing up dots and, and doing what he's got to do? Or uh, I don't is he the see, same old? I don't see Jameis having another 30 for 30 season. I, I don't see that. But I don't think it'll make a huge difference. But I do see him staying with the Bucks for at least another season. I do see him, you know, testing the water with him. Like like I said earlier, my take, Bridgewater signed with the Bucks. James doesn't play good. Week four, Bridgewater is the starter. All right. You, you still you just don't think he's going to – same old, same old Jameis? Yeah. I mean, his first career NFL pass was a pick six. Yeah. I Same old, same old Jameis. Same old Jameis. All right. Um, another – Former NFL player now doing big things, Tony Romo. He has just become the highest paid NFL analyst in TV history with a CBS contract worth $17 million per season. I'm blanking on how long the contract actually is, but that's a lot of money for an analyst. Is he worth that kind of money? Me personally, I don't like Tony Romo as an analyst. He, uh, The way he just announces drives me insane. Um, I hate his voice. Never liked him as a, <laughs> never liked him as <laughs> wow. a quarterback. Uh, Gloves are off. I, I just I don't like the guy, truthfully. Um, so yeah, I think he's extremely overpaid. Um, I mean, for an, an, an analyst, any any of them, I think that's just too much money. For but an you can argue Tony Romo. He makes calls. Like he he knows what he's talking about. Yes, uh, but I mean, seventeen million dollars a year for somebody to talk about football. But he is, but he is the brand technically. He's the voice of your network. 
So I guess that's what they're wagering on that, putting that much money on him because there's been people that have liked him. I personally think that he's got – I mean, he's got so much knowledge. He's calling plays before they happen. Yeah, he's well, saying, hey, he's going to throw him to a slant right here or watch this right here. I mean, he, you know, he's good at recognizing that. Yeah. So I, I guess that's I maybe mean, where he's coming from. Good, good for him and all. As long as, you know, they don't sign Gary Danielson to that contract, it's oh. just what it is. <laughs> we, 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 we <laughs> – Wow, man! Don't even get me started on the Gary Danielson hate train. I, it is. I think he's a great guy outside of announcing, but he just. Mm. Anyways, continuing on, the Super Bowl halftime show with J Lo and Shakira apparently prompted more than thirteen hundred FCC complaints based on the content seen on screen. In particular, one camera cut of the both of them shaking their assets. What do you make of that? I mean, it, was it a good halftime show? Was it worth all oh, that? I mean, it was all, all, <laughs> all around. It was a great halftime show. Very entertaining. I mean, I, I personally, I love Shakira. I think her music's great. I mean, J-Lo, it's J-Lo. She's a great actress. Never really cared for her music. But, <laughs> uh, I mean, great halftime show. And, I mean, all these people were complaining. I think it was I, great. It was high energy. It represented Miami. And the yeah. fact that both of them were doing it at their age, you know. But I, I just... To see that that many FCC complaints, I think that's kind of funny. You know, I don't think anything was over the top, but I have heard some people say that they they felt like they were watching porn on television. I don't. I don't, I don't think, think it was that level. Yeah, but I don't think it was that level either. Maybe not. Well, David Ayers, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, was a 43 year old Zamboni driver for the Toronto Marlies, and then all of a sudden, the Carolina Hurricanes. They lose James Rimmer and Peter, I'm not sure how you say his last name, I think it's Mrazek or or Mrazek or something like that. Uh, They lost both of their goalies, and they don't have anybody in. And so they put in the Zamboni driver, and the guy performs. What do you make of that? Uh, It's just a a once-in-a-lifetime shot, you know? He he stepped up when they needed him, and just, I mean, it's it's, it's something out of a movie, honestly. You just don't see that happening. I mean, it's something out of a movie. It's incredible. Great on that guy. Congratulations to him for that. I feel like that is something that... Anybody would do a dream of. I mean, I don't, I don't know if he's a Carolina Hurricanes fan. I think he's a hockey fan. Obviously, he's been a Zamboni driver for as long as he has. But, you know, if I'm sitting right here on the couch and I get a call from the Atlanta Hawks, Georgia Bulldogs, a team that I love to root for, and they're like, hey, come do this. Come help us out. We, you know, do this. We need you. I would be overjoyed. I would probably suck at what I did. But that's crazy. And and it, I don't think – what makes it even – more kind of hard to believe is that he I mean he didn't suck he was really good out there yeah very good very good does that mean now do you see him signing an NHL contract does that come from that uh or is he stuck is he stuck spinning that Zamboni steering wheel for the rest of the (laughs) rest of his days I think I feel like the him signing an NHL contract is just too much of a story (laughs) but I mean if it happened you know it wouldn't be the most crazier things have happened though things have happened crazy things have happened one more quick thing, and then we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, Deontay Wilder has already said that he's going to exercise his rematch clause against Tyson Fury, making uh, headlines all across the sports world. And he's trying to set up a third bout this summer. Obviously, their first meeting, split draw. And in this second match that happened recently, Fury won via TKO in round seven. And yeah, according to uh, Wilder... wasn't even a close fight. Well, uh, Tyson Fury kicked his ass all up and demolished down the ring. Him. I mean, yeah. it wasn't... 
Well, now, but but get this though. Deontay Wilder said that his legs were weakened by the 45 pound costume he wore to the ring, and so he wasn't 100. percent That's why he wants to try it again. He's got that rematch clause, so he knows he's gonna be ready next time. I mean, that excuse is his fault. Like, I mean, he didn't have to wear a 45 pound outfit to the ring. I mean, he could have been like Tyson Fury, been carried to the ring on a throne by beautiful women. I'm not gonna lie; those entrances were, I mean, they were pretty good. Tyson, I mean, Tyson Fury's entrance. I mean. He was a smart one. Didn't use any of his leg power. Literally was carried by very attractive women on a throne to the ring. I mean, what a what an absolute legend. And then he sings this American Pie after it. <laughs> after the match. I mean, he's an all around. This this is a guy. What a guy. This is a guy. What a guy. Um, I did say that was the last one, but there is there is one more, and I, I'm going to bring it up because it just you're talking about just doing legendary things and and just embodying that. Um, Andy Reid. Coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, I believe. I don't think it was after the Super Bowl. I think it was after they won the AFC and finally are going to the Super Bowl for the first time in forever. They asked him. They said, "Well, how did you celebrate? You know, did you go out? Did you have drinks? Did did you did you have to? Was it was the Super Bowl? I think it was. I'm, I'm trying to remember. But yeah, it was after the Super Bowl. Was that after the Super Bowl? It was. It was after either the AFC or the Super Bowl. But they said, "How did you celebrate? Did did you go out? Did you did you have a drink? Did you throw a party?" He said, "No." He said. I had a hamburger and I went to bed. Is there anything more American than that? I don't know. That, that, also, I, I love coaches that are. He up also front like stated that. he said they asked him about you know winning the Super Bowl and everything, and he said you know <laughs> I didn't sleep with the trophy. I slept with my trophy wife. So I mean, if you want to picture that walrus, oh god, no, living, that's on you. But that's don't, that's what he said. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Well, all right, folks. It has been. Fun recording this first episode. We've talked about a, a ton of stuff. And the great thing about the world of sports is as soon as we sign off, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more breaking news. The world of sports never sleeps. So we're going to we're gonna be back with another episode pretty, pretty soon. Stay tuned with us. One of the best ways to reach us is through social media. I know my Instagram handle, AJ5632. Uh, Daniel underscore Coulter. You can send us DMs. You know, if you... Throw us predictions. Who do you think is going to win the Masters? Who do you think is going to be the underdog team to take it all in, in, in March Madness, which is set to start up very, very soon? And we may have to talk a little bit about that on our next episode. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Send us, um, send us suggestions, what you want us to talk about. Oh, yes. I mean, we are more than willing to do that. Um, and it, not even just suggestions, comments. Give us feedback. We love to hear from you guys. Oh, yes. Love it. So if there is nothing else, I think I've cleared everything I've got to talk about. Is there anything else you had on your mind? I think we've got it all. All right. Well, again, hit us up on social media. And thank you for tuning in to the pilot episode, the very first Benched Podcast. I'm AJ. I'm Daniel. And we'll see you guys next time.